Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally broadcast live at Liquid Church by Pastor Dave Adamson. Liquid Church, living water for a thirsty world. For free video and more, visit us at liquidchurch.com. God be with you, mighty warriors. Ah, it wasn't too bad. Little bit. I think the four o'clock might be winning so far. I'm going to try it one more time. This is the last time. God be with you, mighty warriors. Yeah, that's much better. That's I love that. That's really good to get that feedback. Well, can I just say, all the way from Australia, can I say g'day? How you going? It is, uh, my name's Dave and I'm one of the pastors here and I've got to tell you, it is just such a pleasure for me to be up here sharing with you tonight. For me, this... This really caps off a remarkable 12 months. It was a year, almost to the day, that I first contacted Pastor Tim and asked him if I could use one of the message series that he did here at Liquid at the church that I was working at in Melbourne, Australia. It's just been remarkable. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of hard work to get here. It was no easy feat, Uh, particularly when it came to the amount of paperwork that we had to fill out just to get here. I mean, before we came here, we had to complete visa and passport applications. We had to go through a consulate interview. We had to do security checks. We had to have work approval documentation. They made it really hard. And one of the uh, documents that really stands out for me was one that I had to fill out because I was a male aged 16 to 40 and apparently we're a bit more of a security risk. I don't know, go figure. Um, So I had to specifically fill out a form called a DS-157 Supplemental Non-Immigration Visa Application. That's it up on the screen. And look, I don't know if you can actually see it there. You probably can't. But along with asking me whether or not I had any specialised skills in explosives and or nuclear, biological, or chemical weapons. I mean, who really answers yes to that, seriously? Um, Along with asking me those sorts of things, it also asked if I had any scars or identifying marks. Now, I naturally answered no, because it's not like I wear a patch on my eye or anything like that, although that would be kind of cool. I think maybe pirates have to fill out some sort of other form, I, I don't know, a bit more of a security risk than me, but I actually answered no, but as I thought about it later, you know what, I have actually have a bunch of scars that probably identify more about my own stupidity than anything else. I mean, I've got one right here on my knee, I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but can you, six o'clock can handle this, yeah? <laughs> I've got one here on my knee. Now that happened uh, one wet Monday morning when I was riding my bike to school and I came flying down a hill straight into oncoming traffic. I got knocked off my bike and I flew up in the air and came down and split my knee open and broke all the tendons inside. That was one scar. I've got another scar up here, here on my forehead. I don't know if you can actually see it. It used to be on my hairline. (laughs) That happened uh, one time when I was having a rock war with some friends. One of these friends threw a warning shot at the ground in front of me and it split into two and a piece of shrapnel flew up and hit me in the head and luckily the sight of blood gushing out of my face caused the enemy to scatter and I actually won the war, so it was kind of worth it. I've got another scar right, right here on my finger. I don't know if you'll be able to see. 
Can you kind of make that out there? That happened when I was about 25 and I got my first ever pocket knife. And walking out of the shop, I wanted to check out how cool the blade was. And what I actually learned was how sharp it was and I wasn't. Because as I went to put it back down, the blade slipped and it sliced into my finger. Pretty much cut it right to the bone. We all have scars, don't we? They represent a moment in our lives that something happens to us or through us that we'll never forget. But the reality of life is that not all scars have a great battle story behind them or a funny anecdote. My eight-year-old daughter, Chelsea, has a scar on her lower spine, a long S-shaped scar that reminds my wife and I, of the five-hour operation she endured as a week-old baby to remove a tumour the size of her head from her spine. But perhaps the most painful scars we bear are the ones that nobody can see. You know the ones I'm talking about. We, we all have them. Perhaps it's the scar of rejection from a loved one, the scar of growing up in a household where there was alcohol abuse, Maybe it's the scar of disappointment at the loss of a child or the scar of infertility, the scar of unemployment or the scar of a relationship that blew up, or maybe it's the scar of broken dreams. This is the final week of the Warrior series, and as we close out the series today, I want to talk to you about the fact that all warriors are known by their scars. Every warrior sitting here or listening or watching online has a scar, and every scar has a story. Even the greatest warrior who ever lived has scars. Let me invite you to take out your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 20 on page 754 on the Bible that's on your chair. And I want to show you something that's really quite fascinating. What we're going to look at here is something that happens about a week after Jesus was wounded and crucified on a Roman cross. See, he was executed with nails driven into his hands and into his feet. And then he was hung upright. And we know that he actually died of suffocation as the weight of his body slumped down onto those wounds in his hands and his feet. And this is where we pick up the story in uh, chapter 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now you can probably imagine that at this stage, the disciples were pretty freaked out. I mean... A week or so ago, they'd watched as Jesus died, and after seeing that, they'd actually gone into hiding. I mean, these guys only got together now when they were behind locked doors. They were anything but warriors. So they're gathered, huddled together, scared behind locked doors, when all of a sudden, whoosh, Jesus is in the house. I mean, he walked right through a locked door. You know in the movies how when a warrior is injured or they die, when they come back, they're in this uh, perfect sort of resurrected, stronger, invincible body. Yeah, Think, think like the Matrix or, or Star Wars. 
So we expect Jesus to be this incredible superhero. But it might actually surprise some of you when you read this in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. I mean, what? What's going on there? Guys, this is not the Matrix. This is not Star Wars where the force brings everybody back as good as new. Jesus actually has scars. That doesn't seem right to me. God in the flesh with scars. But do you notice that Jesus doesn't try to hide his wounds either? He doesn't try to cover them up. Instead, he actually draws attention to his wounds and attention to his scars. He invites Thomas to come up and touch them. Why? Why did he do that? So Thomas would read this with me. Stop doubting and what? Believe. Because once you've touched my scars, Thomas, you will believe. You see, we worship a wounded warrior. And just like Jesus, we all have wounds and scars. We've all been hurt. All of us are broken in some area of our lives. Now, I bet that right now there are people sitting here or listening online who are thinking, you know, Dave, I do have scars, but you probably have no idea what they look like. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pain I've faced. You do not know the wounds that I've endured, and you certainly don't know the scars that I have. And you know what? Maybe that's true, but I have my own scars. And not just the ones on my finger or on my knee. You can't see these scars, but they're certainly there. They're wounds that are, even to this day, tough to talk about sometimes. If I was completely honest on that visa application form, I wouldn't have answered no because I do have scars that identify me. In many ways, my scars run so deep that they've actually become my identity. These wounds started when I was a kid. See, I was born into a family cycle of rejection and abandonment. My mum was abandoned by her mother, which left her to grow up feeling rejected. And my father grew up in a similar sort of environment and as an adult had a long history of drug and alcohol abuse. His two older brothers were drug users and alcoholics as well and they spent many, many years in prison. I never really got to know my father because for the first four years of my life he was in and out of prison for a variety of crimes, most often for burglary. And when he wasn't in prison, he would often just walk out on my mum and, and us kids and often not return for weeks at a time. That put a lot of pressure on my mum and my older brother and my two sisters were eventually taken away by the authorities and put into foster care. I didn't actually meet them until I was like two years old. I've got an older brother who was adopted out a couple of years before this and I didn't even meet him until I was 23. When I was two, my dad was released from prison and it's fair to say that the poverty line pretty much ran straight down the middle of my house. My dad would work as a tram conductor during the day and at night he would rob houses just to make ends meet, occasionally spending short stints in prison. When I was five, my mum eventually left and, and remarried 
My new stepdad had grown up with an abusive father himself who rarely showed him love or support and was quite, dis- quite violent in his discipline. And it's no surprise that some of this got passed down in the early years. What my parents did subconsciously was pass their experiences onto us. I, like them, never felt completely loved or accepted. I grew up feeling rejected in many ways. Those feelings were underlined when I was six and my uncle came to stay. And it didn't take long for the sexual abuse to start. He moved into a bungalow at the back of our house and my older brother and I slept out there with him and for the next five years we endured unspeakable acts of abuse that left me feeling more rejected and humiliated than ever before. Growing up, I was really close to my brother. He was really the only person who completely understood what I was going through and as a result, he was my best friend and I really, really looked up to him. That's why for me, the hardest part of the abuse from my uncle was spending five years of my childhood listening from my top bunk as my brother was abused. And when I used the word abused, I'm choosing my words very carefully because I'm a parent and I know that we're in mixed company today. So I'm deliberately choosing a word that for me defines things that people should never have to talk about or experience. My uncle did a lot to me, but compared to my brother, I think... In many ways, I got off lightly. The night it all came to an end was when I was 11 years old and my my uncle came home from work drunk, which my brother and I knew meant we were in for a pretty bad night. I remember laying there in my top bunk for 10 minutes listening as he hurt my brother. I eventually summoned up enough courage to climb to the end of my bed and down the bunk and and that took me about 10 minutes and then I tiptoed across the floor because I knew that if he heard me, I was going to be in trouble. I eventually got to the door and went across the backyard and I didn't even really know what I was going to say to my parents and in fact, when my dad opened the door, I chickened out. I told him that I needed to go to the bathroom and for the next 20 minutes, I sat in there a scared little boy who needed help but didn't really know how to get it or how to ask for it. I eventually just went out to the bungalow and my uncle was there in the doorway and he told me to shut up and get back into bed and so I did and then listened again as he continued to hurt my brother. After about 10 minutes of this, I'd had enough and I summoned up all my courage and this time I didn't take my time climbing off the bunk. I actually just jumped, bolted across the floor and ran through the backyard and bashed on the door and told my dad everything. Everything that was going on out there and had been for years. And the next morning he kicked my uncle out and we never saw him again. Needless to say, I have a few wounds that run deeper than the scar on my finger. They're not mortal wounds, but they impact 
the deepest parts of my soul. Looking back, I can see that this all had a major impact on me as a kid. Psychologically, I was pretty screwed up and you know, growing up, I was mostly a shy, withdrawn, quiet kid who was very easily intimidated. There's a movie called Antoine Fisher. It's a true story about a little boy who wanted to be loved and accepted, and in it he writes a poem that goes like this. Who will cry for the little boy lost and all alone? Who will cry for the little boy abandoned without his own? Who will cry for the little boy he cried himself to sleep? Who will cry for the little boy he never had for keeps? Who will cry for the little boy he walked the burning sand? Who will cry for the little boy, the boy inside the man? Who will cry for the little boy he knows well hurt and pain? Who will cry for the little boy he died and died again? Who will cry for the little boy, a good boy he tried to be? And who will cry for the little boy who dies in, who cries inside of me? For me, those words captured the wounds that I endured as a boy. I responded to these feelings by rebelling and got involved in shoplifting and vandalism and I eventually wound up in court charged with trespass and destruction of private property. And You know, they say that hurt people hurt people. And you know, I, I doubt if anybody would actually blame me if I continued down this path and became a drug user or an alcoholic or ended up in prison like my dad. Pastor Glenn tells me that people with this sort of abusive background often grow up with major psychological issues. They struggle when dealing with people and have poor self-esteem and are withdrawn. And they're usually dysfunctional when they start their own family just continuing that cycle of abuse. And you know, I can't imagine what my life would be like if my story ended there. But thankfully, in God's kingdom... Wounds play a different role. In Genesis, we read a story about a man named Joseph who had some wounds of his own. As a boy, he was rejected and abandoned by his older brothers. In fact, they sold him into slavery. And things went as you'd expect for Joseph. He actually did end up in prison. But despite everything that had gone bad for Joseph, God was raising up a warrior. Over the next few years, Joseph eventually gets out of prison and uh, he, he eventually becomes an official in Pharaoh's court. And then the day finally comes when Joseph comes face to face with his brothers again. Now, can you imagine what this must have been like? These are the men who had abandoned and rejected him and now they're standing in front of him. In fact, the Bible says that they actually came to him for help. We all have wounds, so imagine what it would be like for you to come face to face with the person who's inflicted the biggest wound on your life. Perhaps it's a family member or a friend. I wonder what your reaction would be. Would it be anger, retaliation? 
Well, Genesis 45 tells us that Joseph, when he saw his brothers the first time, for the first time, he, he wept aloud. So the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. See, this is not just a few little tears here. This is a genuine outpouring of emotion. And the Bible says that Joseph could not control himself as he cried. Wounds hurt, yeah? But in the midst of all this emotion, what does he say to the people who had wounded him? He says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for what? For good. God meant it for good. You see, in God's story, wounds have a very different purpose. Not only does God want to heal them, but he also wants to use them as a powerful source for good. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't get to experience this because they resign themselves to simply living with their wounds. You know, there's people who just limp through their whole life, carrying their wounds, carrying their bitterness, and they just hope that maybe over time this wound will get better. Maybe if I just try harder, people won't notice the wound so much. But the reality is, everyone knows that it's there. But again, you know, in God's story, God doesn't just want to heal your wounds. He says, I'm going to use your wounds as a source of healing and forgiveness in the lives of other people. That's certainly how it worked in my life. See, I limped through my teens carrying my baggage and hurts and bitterness toward those people who had hurt me and I was scared and I was angry and I was fragile. But when I was 18, I had a had an encounter with God that changed me forever. I had a Christian friend in high school who continually invited me to his church and to various Christian events. And eventually I caved in and went to this one event where, you know, a guy got up and spoke and and at the end he asked if anybody wanted to come forward. And, you know, that time it gets a little bit awkward and uncomfortable and everything gets a little bit funky. I remember sitting there and, I was pretty standoffish at first. But then I looked down the aisle and I saw my friend on his knees praying to Jesus, to this God who was wounded and scarred. And I just knew that he was praying for me. And the feeling of unconditional love and acceptance that this brought made me want to know God straight away. I mean, it leaked right into the deepest wounds and started the healing process. I remember reading in 2 Corinthians at the time, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, uh, read it with me, a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Man, I clutched onto that verse and hoped and believed that it was true. I hoped that my old scars and my old wounds could be healed and that I could start to measure my self-worth based not on my past, not on my scars, but on the fact that even at the very lowest point in my life, God sent his son to be wounded in my place. And I really don't want you to miss this. There is so much freedom to be found when we really comprehend that we worship a God who understands what it means to be wounded and who knows that our wounds can become a powerful source of healing and of love, not just pain and bitterness 
And folks, you know, this is the great distinctive of Christianity over every other world religion. The Christian God is a God who bleeds. He is a God who has suffered unjustly but voluntarily so that we can be healed. Flip over to Isaiah 53 on page 515 and I want you to really grasp the healing power of this. You see, Jesus can wipe away all of our scars because he knows fully rejection and wounds and can therefore heal us to the very core of our pain. Isaiah 53 from verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus knew acutely the hot sting of rejection. He knew the sorrow of loneliness. He knows abuse and he knows what it means to be abandoned in his moment of greatest need. Jesus is a warrior who's been in battle and he's got the scars to show for it. And because of this, he can offer us healing. The Christian God does not just pat people on the back and say, there, there. No, he knows, he understands. And in verse 4 and 5 it says, Surely he took up our infirmities. And read this with me. He carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds... We are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. In God's story, the hurt that we've known, the pain that we've endured, the scars that we bear have a sacred purpose. Have a look. What's the purpose of Jesus' wounds? To bring healing and forgiveness to our lives. What's the purpose of your wounds, of my wounds? To bring healing and forgiveness into the lives of of others. I wonder what wounds do you bear that God might not only want to heal but also use as a source of healing in the lives of others. We put a band-aid in your bulletins today. Why don't you take one why don't you take that out right now? It's a little band-aid in there. Has everybody got one? Can you hold it up? Once you've got it out, hold it up just so I know that you've got it. As I said, we all have wounds. And I wonder if you had to write down on the back of this band-aid the deepest scar that you bear, what would that be? For me, it would be my abuse as a child. And here's my question. Could you believe that God not only has the power to heal that wound in your life, but through the redemptive power of Christ, actually use it as a powerful source for good? I know you might be sitting out there not really believing that, but it's true. I know. It's what happened in my life. It didn't happen overnight, but Christ healed me from my past and used my wounds as a powerful source of healing in the lives of others. About five years ago, I came face to face with my biological father for the first time since I was four years old. I mean, talk about picking at an old wound, yeah? 
I had plenty of ideas of how this meeting would go. I mean, I'd been rehearsing it for years, what I would actually say to him when I finally got to see him face to face. I thought I knew exactly what would happen when he walked in. But something strange happened. Rather than feeling a hot flood of animosity towards him for abandoning me for 30 years, I actually felt a a sense of compassion that honestly caught me off guard. He walked into my house and he just burst into tears and asked me if I would forgive him for all the wounds he'd inflicted. Now, I could have responded out of my scars and I could have responded out of my hurts and pains, but because of the deep healing that only God's grace can bring, I actually stood up. And I walked towards him and I opened my arms to him. And the wounded son embraced the wounded father. And at that moment, you know, I realized that I understand how Joseph felt, how he welled up with emotion at the sight of the family members who had hurt him so deeply. But remember what he said. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for what? For good. See, that's the role that scars play in the kingdom of God. Through the power of Christ, they can become a source of powerful healing and grace. They did for Joseph, and they did for me too. Instead of having psychological issues or poor self-esteem because of my scars, I'm actually now a confident man with a healthy self-esteem. My wife says that sometimes it's too healthy. God has not only healed me, but empowered me to offer the same healing to my biological father, who is a very wounded man himself. God has also healed and completely restored my relationship with my parents also. That is the power of Christ. It's so much more than just a band-aid. He wants to use our wounds, my wounds, your wounds, and turn something that was intended for evil into something that is a powerful source of good. Back home, I've had the chance to tell my story in prisons and churches and high schools, and I've been able to encourage and support hundreds of people who've been through the same sort of childhood experiences that I have. Like the father of two who came to me in tears after hearing my story because he honestly believed that nobody would ever understand so well the childhood that he had. Or the teenager who I was able to connect with a counsellor after he admitted for the first time to the abuse that was still happening to him. Or the 40-year-old woman in a prison in Melbourne who now has hope that her son is not condemned to a life sentence because of the past that she's inflicted upon him. We all have wounds, don't we? I'm not the only one here with scars. Some of us try to cover them up with, with a band-aid and hope that nobody will notice. Some of us have wounds that run so deep that we've resigned ourselves to believing that they're never actually going to be healed. In many ways, we are all the walking wounded. But God wants to take our mess and turn it into a message 
of his grace and victory. God wants to take our mess and turn it into a message of his divine healing. And you might notice something very interesting. The difference between mess and message is just a little age. In other words, it takes time to get to a place where our wounds become a source of healing. It doesn't happen overnight. But as it says in Job, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Are you ready to put your hope in Christ as I did? Because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. And by his wounds, we are healed. What scars would you be willing to give over to God right now for healing? Is there a mess in your life that you need to hand over to him so that it can become a message of grace and victory? Warriors are known by their scars. We all have them. Some are small, some are so deep that nothing short of a miracle will heal them. Well, I believe today is the day that some of you need to reveal your scars to him for the first time. Today is the day that you need to hand your wounds over to him and stop letting your past affect your future. In a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to partake in the very symbol of warrior's wounds, Christ's blood and his broken body. And as we do that, are you ready to make an exchange? to leave your wounds on the table as you receive Christ in your behalf. Perhaps like me, you've been abused as a child. Well, God wants to redeem that defeat into a victory. Maybe you've been wounded by a friend or a spouse or your company. Maybe you've even been wounded by a church. Your scars might be Emotional, they might be physical. Whatever they are, I know from personal experience that God wants to turn your wounds into a powerful story of redemption. Now that's a churchy word, I know. But what it means is that when your wounds are fully redeemed, they haven't just been healed, but they've become such a powerful source of grace in the lives of others that it makes the enemy sorry he ever messed with you in the first place. When Jesus appeared to Thomas, his scars were a reminder of his victory. Yes, he'd been nailed to a cross. Yes, he'd been abused and rejected. He'd even had a spear thrust into his side just to make sure he was dead. But his scars were now a source of healing and forgiveness. They were a message of hope and victory. And that is what he's offering to you today. Jesus was healed And his healing is the source of victory and redemption for you. And again, redemption doesn't just mean forgiven. It doesn't just mean that your wounds are healed. God wants to take your wounds, take your scars, and make the enemy wish he had never messed with you in the first place. That's what's on offer right here tonight. As we close out the Warriors series, I wonder if you would have the courage to take a minute right now And write down your worst wound on the back of this bandage. Then bring it down and leave it on the table to symbolize 
handing these scars, these wounds over to God so that they can be used for his glory. As we take the wounds of the ultimate warrior, his blood poured out for our redemption and his body crushed and broken for our healing. The band's going to come up and they're going to sing a song about what it means to live in the freedom of God's grace. And we'll all come forward a row at a time. Bring your bandage with you and place it on the table as an exchange. Then you'll take the bread and dip it in the cup and as you take it, walk around the side aisles back to your seat. I wonder if you'd have the courage to do that. If you do, God won't let you down because by his wounds, we are healed. Let's pray. Father, you know each of us by name and you know each and every one of our wounds. As we remember them now in our minds, God, I, as we relive the pain that we carry, would you remind us again of your promise to heal and restore us? As we come forward now, God, help us to trust in Christ. Help us to trust in our wounded warrior so that our messes can become messages of your power. And we pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.